Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. This morning, being a First Fruit Sunday, we will not dismiss anyone to Sunday school because we want to all share together in our communion time together. And before we come to that time, there's a, just a, a brief meditation today. We just got one verse we're going to look at. Can you believe that? We're going to preach on just one verse. That, that's, that's probably about three minutes, don't you think? I mean, what can you get out of one verse? Maybe we better pray and ask God for wisdom and uh, kind of control me as we get ready today. Our Heavenly Father, this book of yours is indeed wonderful, miraculous. You gave it to us in a, in a way that's inconceivable. No man thought it up, not even one page of it. You preserved it. You unified it all together over 1,500 years, over 40 people writing it, and yet one message, and now, Father, we're going to look at just one verse of that great book's message. We pray you will so affect us by it. This is a truth you want us to know. This is a truth that, that you gave your servant James to tell. And so, Father, make it Make it meaningful to us today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of today's meditation contains a word that most of us, for most of our lives, have resisted ever speaking. Certainly, we have resisted ever using it to describe our Christian faith. It's the word religion. Christians commonly say this, we don't practice a religion, we enjoy a relationship. Amen? Amen. Have you said that, heard that, felt that? We don't practice some religion, we enjoy a relationship. Religion, as much as to some of us, it at times is almost a dirty word. If you look it up in the dictionary... Religion is a, is a man-made set of activities designed to bring glory to God. Now, there are those who would put all religion in the category of saying, yes, it's something man-made, maybe even devil-inspired, as in the pagan religions of the world. But here in today's key scripture... James chapter 1, verse 27, James himself uses the word. And he uses it in a most comfortable and seemingly routine way. So here it is, today's key scripture, James 1, 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. How many of you knew that verse was in the Bible? 
ever come across it before? James is like boiling down the essence of our faith in some ways to say, if you really want to be a good Christian, here's, here's the way you can really honor God, worship God, honor God, bring pleasure to God, and just a few straightforward things. These aren't all of them, but these are sure important. And so religion, let me define it this way, human actions intended to please God. There is no religion on earth designed to make God mad. There's a lot of religions on earth, people's best ideas of how to please God, how to get God on their side, how to get God's strength coming through their life. And religion is really the word for the human activities that go together in some system of activity that all together is intended to please God. Now, of course, some of those systems of actions do please God, and some of them don't. And that's the point, isn't it? Some human actions intended to please God are more of man's own invention, and thus they have no chance of pleasing God and other human actions intended to please God are based on God's revelation and thus have every chance of pleasing God. In our key verse of the morning, James reveals to us three of those latter actions, actions based upon God's revelation. Three things that God finds wonderfully acceptable when believers do them. Now, we know the Bible is full of things that God finds wonderfully acceptable when believers do them. But it's interesting that James here, writing to the early believers, one of the earliest books in the New Testament, would identify the three that we're going to look at today and that he put in this one verse. Three key religious actions that God finds acceptable that James found important to note. So therefore, these are actions that we should note as well. Here's the first one. He says, look after orphans in their distress. This is a very down-to-earth, practical, uh, human condition kind of uh, exhortation from James. Look after orphans in their distress. We can ask, is there anything more distressing for a child, an immature human being, than being without parents? To no longer be able to take for granted that there are those who love you, who watch out for you, who provide for you, who are unconditionally committed to you. To not believe there's, and not know for sure there are any people like that in your life. That's a most distressing situation to be in. It's a situation that no child should ever experience. But we know there are many who do, especially in lands not our own. Let me add this observation. I believe God would consider many homeless people to fall into the category of orphan as well. For they are without any caring oversight in their lives, They are without means of providing for themselves. God's concern for them all. They are vulnerable. 
actions taken to ease their distress surely please him. Look after orphans in their distress. Then James says, look after widows in their distress. And I hope that by sharing this, I don't cause anyone in this room any further distress. But God cares about those who have been widowed. You see, there's few things more distressing for a married woman than to be without her husband. It's emotionally distressing, a loss of companionship and encouragement. It can be physically distressing. The tasks of life that were once shared or provided now fall on her shoulders exclusively. It can certainly be financially distressing. Bills are harder to pay, and basic needs might actually go unmet. And let me add, any single woman, any unwed mother, can fall into these same distressing life circumstances. James' definition of God-pleasing religion was pretty radical in his day, as it is in many places still today. But whenever the church of Christ has taken root, wherever born-again believers have been found in society-influencing numbers, the needs of orphans and widows have been compassionately addressed. James was expecting that the little assemblies of believers to whom he was writing would handle both orphans and widows much differently than would the society around them. The gospel of Christ, the pure and faultless religion that God our Father accepts, as James called it, is a powerful change agent. Our very nation has been built upon those compassionate principles. A portion of every tax dollar we pay goes toward alleviating those kinds of needs. I know some of us would say, well, let me just send that portion. Beyond that, let me tell you, so does a portion of every tithe dollar you bring with you on First Fruit Sunday. We as a congregation have never had a widow's needs go unmet in nearly 28 years now. We have paid for utilities, bought appliances, repaired properties, even provided a monthly stipend for one widow within our congregation for several years. We, all of us, are involved in putting James' words into action in an attempt to pursue a religion that is pure and faultless. We support as a church the Victor Valley Rescue Mission in Victorville. We support them as an expression of our concern and God's concern for the needy in our high desert community. We support Samaritan's Purse in the meeting of these kinds of needs throughout the whole world. Whenever there is trouble and tragedy, tragedies that frequently create both widows and orphans, Samaritan's Purse is found. This very day, they minister to the distressed in war-torn Ukraine. Last year, we as a church supported these agencies to the tune of $8,000. This year, I hope we can do more. 
Some of you, no doubt, support them yourselves, and that's good. You see, handling our religion in an acceptable, God-pleasing way involves us in ministering to the orphan and to the widow. And most interestingly, then, James shares a third item in this short list of pure and faultless religious actions that God our Father finds acceptable. In addition to looking after orphans, looking after widows, James says, keep yourself from being polluted by the world. We can understand why that would be pleasing to God. Keep yourself unpolluted by the world. That's really a a catch-all action, isn't it? In those words of James, I can hear in the background the voice of Jesus praying for his own disciples like he did in John chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, when he said, Father, they, meaning his disciples, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Set them apart. Keep them pure. Keep them unblemished. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. And of course, we would agree all worldly pollution is to be identified and avoided. We are to live pure and holy lives. Now that little phrase, that little command of James could be taken as a stand-alone directive. But let's apply it this morning. Let's apply it this morning right in the context in which it's found. Because James said that third thing right after he said the first and the second thing, and he put it there, I believe, for a reason. And so let me just share a little bit of that with you. If we apply these words of James, keep yourself from being polluted by the world, within the context in which they are found of orphans and widows and needy, these words might sound something like this. Keep yourself morally and, ethic, morally and ethically pure as you minister to those who might be the most vulnerable. When the Lord brings into your life, when you get into a situation where one of these that we've talked about this morning who can be vulnerable, the, the stresses of life can bring distress to them. Keep yourself morally and ethically pure. Never take advantage of them as so many others would. Never seek to manipulate or dominate them. Only have the purest of motives as you seek to look after them. That's what James is saying. Just one verse. But writing to the people who've been waiting for a word from their their elder, their leader, James, and all the things that we've studied, how to handle this, how to handle that, how to handle other things, right now here he's saying, and here's how you handle your religion. Make sure the spiritual practices that you are part of don't become some kind of a static, standard, phony set of behaviors. You let them come right from your heart. 
and that your heart be touched by the very heart of God. And these are some things that please our Heavenly Father and honor our Heavenly Father. So when you find the needy around you, don't look the other way. When you find an orphan, a young person, a child, an immature human being who really can't just handle things him or herself, look after them. Look after them. Care for them the best you can. Find resources somehow to try to meet the need. And when you, <clears throat> when you come across a, a dear lady, whether young or old, who has lost the love of her life, look after her. Care for her. Be alert to special needs that are going to arise. And when it happens within a church body, I mean, we, we who know one another, oh, I'm so glad that I can say to you, we, we have never let somebody just fall into distress and have no hope, no way, no means. This is a family of faith. When we bring our first fruits offering and we quote that verse in the Old Testament, Malachi 3.10, where God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. I've said over and over and over again, that means not food in the church. Not just building a bank account with the church's name on it, but it means food, if necessary, in any house of those who make up this fellowship. We watch over one another. And you know, lots of folks need watching over who are neither orphan or widow. They're just in trouble. And to know that each one of you has had a share in helping innumerable people over the years, that you, through the leadership of this church, have watched over people who wind up saying, I'm so grateful I'm part of this fellowship. And I can't wait until I'm in a condition where I can begin to, to watch over others, even bring my own gifts and help watch out for others in this fellowship. And then even in other parts of the world, in our high desert community, and literally throughout the world, we can watch over and practice our religion in a way that truly honors and brings pleasure to God. And isn't that good? Isn't that what we want to do? There's so much more to the Christian life. James has a whole book full of it. We've been going through how to handle all kinds of things. But here he tells us, make sure that you handle your faith in a way that is genuine, that is sincere, and that shows the heart and the love of God for the human beings you encounter. Because that's a big part of our faith. It's a big part of our, and let's say it, our religion. Our set of behaviors by which we seek to bring pleasure and glory to God. And so our final thought this morning says this, religion that God finds acceptable is always characterized by purity, 
and generosity. May our religion always be. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we, we hear this word from James. And then we prepare ourselves for a time of communion, honoring one who demonstrated this to the maximum. Oh, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ looking after us. The Bible says all of us, spiritually speaking, have been orphans in this world cut off by sin from a loving Heavenly Father, cut off by sin from the fellowship of, of all the, the marvelous dynamic of the spiritual family. But then we're told, you have adopted us. You have given us new birth. You've called us your own children through faith in Jesus Christ. We are orphans no more. Father, which of us has not suffered some loss in this world? A personal loss that just left such a, a gap in our life and, and yet how many here have, have felt the grace of God just providing strength as you yourself look after us at a time like that. And so, Father, we want to we want to just be so filled with joy and praise for the kind of God we have that all we want to do is live our lives in a way that will bring pleasure to you, to practice our faith in a way that you find acceptable and that brings praise to you. We ask you this now, even as we continue some of the practice of the very things that are so precious to us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.